Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Austin details were released as Courtney takes to the track. And V8 CEO David Malone steps down. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. David Malone, V8 Supercar CEO has announced that he'll be stepping down from the role. Malone will remain as a director, assisting the business with its strategy and development. Malone took the head role on January 2012 and is the third CEO in six years. The move will continue to sound the drums amongst the sporting community as V8 supercars are now looking for a CEO and chairman following the shock death of James Strong in March. While the board is undertaking the search, Director of Finance and Systems Peter Trimble will assume the role as acting CEO. While it has been speculated that James Warburton, the former 10 Network chief executive, is the front runner for the job. James Courtney and Fabian Coulthard have been the first V8 supercar drivers to try out the Circuit of Americas in Austin. The pair who drove the Holden prototype car of the future, which is now badged as a Chevy, were given laps as part of the MotoGP weekend as the track promotes the upcoming event. Kurt Busch and Chad Reed will be driving the car later this week. Details of the Austin race have started to be released. Practice 1 on Friday, which usually is reserved for rookies and drivers from the lower half of the championship points, will see all drivers eligible for that session. While Saturday and Sunday will see two 100-kilometre races on each day with tyre stops for all four races. Chaz Mostert will be driving for Dick Johnson Racing starting in Perth. Mostert drove the car this week at Morgan Park with Frosty Winterbottom alongside to help the young Ford star settle into the struggling DGR new generation car. The announcement of Mostert replacing Johnny Reed is a strengthening of ties between the two Ford squads. FPR's Adam DeBoer will work with the Queensland team as Mostert's engineer. More co-driving pairings were announced for the endurance races and Luke Gildon will be joining the 2013 pace setters at BJR when he teams up with Fabian Coulthard. Last week, Alan Simonson was announced he'll be joining the Aubrey team, linking with David Wall. 
whilst David Russell and Carl Reindler will join Nissan Motorsport in the Jack Daniels entry, an opportunity for both to take part in a factory drive. With Todd Kelly expected to announce his retirement at the end of the season, many drivers are looking for the opportunity to get a permanent drive with the up-and-coming factory outfit. Jack Perkins will be on the grid in the Dunlop series in Perth. The GRM endurance driver will be in the former Techno Autosports 888 Commodore prepared by Eggledon Motorsport. And Paul Morris is returning to the Dunlop series in the Sergeant Security sponsored entry. Perth will be his first outing of the season. And finally, congratulations to Jason Barguana, who won the New Zealand Touring Car Championship during the Pukekohe Race Weekend. It's Bargs' first championship in 26 years of trying. And you can read about his amazing career in the current edition of V8X magazine. You'll find V8X in stores or online through the Mag Store for an iPod edition. And that's the news. For NOBRAC carbon fibre products, check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C dot com dot A-U. After the break, Ben Beasley and Sam Reid joined me for the roundtable. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Nissan Motorsport, it's Sam Reid. And from Fox Sports News, it's Ben Beasley. Good evening to you both. Guys, interesting uh, this week, we've had another CEO depart. And Ben, that makes, by my count, three in six years. That seems to be a high churn of CEOs when you consider that previously they had two in about 12 years. Yeah, um, in terms of you know turnover, um, even thinking about uh, your, your numbers there, They've obviously had interim CEOs as well at V8 Supercars, but you think of, I'll throw you in some names here, Cameron Levick, um, obviously uh, he was um, in there in the job, and then also uh, Martin Whitaker as well, and then now um, we've had another one go. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a, a poison chalice in the last few years, considering, like you said, that Wayne Caddick you know, held the role for such a long time and, and, and was really Tony Cochran's right-hand man, uh, through the real establishment of V8 supercars and putting it into the, the next hemisphere, what it was in through the, uh, the mid-2000s. So it's been a tough road for CEOs in the, uh, in the V8 supercars job, especially um, for David Malone. His real job was to come in and, and secure a new TV deal. He got the TV deal, but it wasn't what they were obviously looking for after such big money went out the door for AFL and Rugby League. Uh, V8 supercars obviously thought they were going to get a very good uh, improvement of what they'd had from Channel 7. But maybe... All the money was spent on footy, and there was nothing left. And 
even though there were signs to say that they should have taken some deals maybe a little bit earlier, they hung out and really in the end, the deal, although you know it's very good television and all that sort of thing, the, the money wasn't what uh, they were all expecting. Mm. And I guess too, Ben, they haven't got a deal signed other than replays on Fox Sports. And I know even at Adelaide, I was speaking to people who contractors and the like who were being asked about their availabilities for Fridays and these sorts of these sorts of things to uh, what was expected to be a, a Fox Sport package. And David Malone used to run Fox Sport, or used to run Fox Sports, and particularly with Speed TV, not having a, a deal there that expanded also is a, a big question mark over what was perceived he was brought in for. Yeah, I think people were once again expecting a similar deal to especially the AFL where you have um, mainstream free-to-air TV coverage but you have pay TV coverage which is uh, on at the same time so you have the added benefits of maybe some longer programming and more in-depth programming on pay television plus the replays as the added bonus but at the end of the day all that came about was the replay component so I think going forward that still remains the objective uh, in some form or another to, to get a, a better deal and uh, who has to put that together and how the, the whole landscape in terms of who has the money to do it who's prepared to pay to do it and what the scheduling is all going to be like I mean if you're going to do a deal late unfortunately things are going to fall off the edge of the table that you'd ultimately wanted there in the first place so uh, it's a bit tough and it was a bit tough obviously in that first uh, round because a lot of deals were done so late but I think it has settled down a little bit more now and people are, in terms of who are employed directly into the television side of, of the V8 Supercar business have got a much better direction. But it, it was it was pretty close at the start of the year for, before that deal was done. Mm. And, of course, uh, Sam, for someone like yourself that's in and about a team, what difference does a new CEO at V8 Supercars really make to the, the people on the ground and inside the team? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's, it's been an interesting couple of months uh, floating around the team, but I think it's been tough on all the teams with this new television deal obviously that's really been the focus of of Malone's time in the seat so you know there's no secrets that there's a there's a few teams out there that are hurting a little from this this television deal and I suppose the, the lack of dollars that then get passed through uh, down down the line uh, coming through so late it left a lot of teams in the lurch where they'd already committed to all their sponsorship for the year so they're sitting in a position now where they're sort of going well what have we got left to sell and you know Yes, we, they can create more and more things to sell, but that, that all takes time and resources. And they've just coming off the back of such a huge build and, and change with these Car of the Futures, which at the moment is looking like a really positive move, I, I would have to say. But nonetheless, it's been a really tough and busy time for all the teams. Mm. And, of course, Ben, you were in at Brytech uh, looking after media and a whole bunch of other things there. What would it have been like when you were trying to sell the cars at Brytech without being able to say, here's our TV deal, here's 18 exposures on a free-to-air network, because the teams couldn't say that because there was looking like there was no end in sight. Yeah, I think the toughest thing was knowing, I think everyone believed there was always going to be a deal put together, but was it going to be the be-all and end-all deal or a really watered-down deal? Now, I think pretty much there's somewhere in the middle is what, what's ended up happening. But some people... you. You, it's hard to go and commit to them to say you need to commit. And, and really, sponsorship deals are not done in January. They're done 
middle of last year, really. I mean, a lot of these budgets, depending on where your budget comes from, uh, in some companies they work on financial year budgets, other companies work on, uh, you know, normal, you know, January to, to December type budgets. And then if you, I'll throw the Nissan example out there, Nissan work on a Japanese financial year, which is the 1st of April is when their year starts. So, you know, companies, you know, everyone has their own different way of doing things. And if there's any uncertainty, that makes it tough. So that's why in the previous TV deals that were done, uh, the Channel 7 deal in the mid-2000s that was announced, it was announced well inside the first half of the previous year. So although it was changing from Channel 10 to Channel 7, people had, I think, at least eight months to plan for that and talk about it and what was happening. So there was a lot of excitement about that, which was a great time to go and, and, and talk about your product and why you should be involved in a race team. This time it wasn't like that. So, I mean, in saying all that, though people know that the V8 Supercar's product and what it's all about, there was the excitement about um, the new manufacturers and Nissan and the Erebus uh, organisation coming in. So there was a lot of focus, especially which then came in onto those first couple of races uh, in Adelaide and then at the Grand Prix, which helped. Uh, I guess it's now this middle period of the year where you've got to keep um, talking the message up and talking the TV coverage up and keeping the excitement going, which is important. The one thing that really has happened, though, is there's been different winners at the front. So there's been a lot of different differences that, that have happened this year. But uh, you need to keep that excitement level up, and I think that's a big challenge, you know, in these middle year, middle races of the year. Mm. Well, Sam, what's been the the reaction that you've been getting from not only the the people around the edges of motorsport that you deal with, but even in the uh, the women's forum, uh, which you're so much a part of? What's the talk there from those people who are also involved in motorsport? television side of Sorry, about the car of the future and the way the, the series has kicked off. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ben has made a, a fantastic point. We've been so lucky this year, uh, you know, whether it's the car of the future or for other reasons, to have so some interesting racing up the front and some different winners. You know, how, how exciting to see someone like Fabian Coulthard uh, up there on the top step uh, taking his first podiums, or not podiums, I should say race wins. We've seen a team like BJR who previously has been through some really tough times. I'm sure at times there was a doubt as to whether or not they would make the grids for many years to come, but they've certainly come out firing this year and shown that they're a team that's got a lot of potential and certainly out there in the hunt for a championship at the moment. So I think it's been very valuable. It's brought a lot of focus back in to the sport because it is something different and you know from this part as Ben says it's important now to keep that momentum going through the middle part of the year and I think that you know V8 Supercars making the decision to head over to the US and and have this race in Texas is certainly going to help out a bit of spice because there's always that curiosity as how how is this going to go the first time over so you know fingers crossed for the sport that event in particular is is a huge success and I think that the the coverage with Channel 7 has started to expand in terms of what we actually talk about, you know, adding elements like, uh, you know, it's not new, but Yolarco's whiteboard, those sorts of uh, sides to the sport do or have changed from just that sort of blokey perspective to something that's a little bit more entertaining. I think they've taken a few lessons probably from from the ever-popular Top Gear show overseas and been able to apply just, a, a, you know, a touch of that flavour to the coverage, I think there's a long way that it can still go, but, you know, step by step, I do think it is actually heading in the right direction and starting to attract a slightly wider base. You know, I personally still think there's a huge opportunity to add a bit more variety into the sport. I think it really is going to be critical for the 
success of the sport that there is a female or, or multiple females enter the series in the next five years and, and be successful as well. And, you know, it would be love, lovely to see some Indigenous, some overseas international drivers as well potentially spice it up a bit as well just to keep it all interesting and ticking over. Mm. Ben, a couple of interesting points Sam's raised there. Of course, we will talk about Austin in the next segment of the show, but what about more ethnicity, more um, more genders and, and, and things like that in the sport? I think it's amazing, particularly from my point of view, that with the explosion of cars available to the Dunlop series, we haven't seen someone like Sam or, or any of the other good female drivers out there be able to get a Guernsey there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's some good... I mean, Sam would know she's raced through cards in Formula 4, that there are some good races, you know, in terms of... Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, male or female. It's, it's about trying to make that next step and getting in there and, and having the talent and having that point of difference because that's really what, you know, you're trying to sell to a sponsor, that you're not just another one of those 28 people out there trying to, to make your mark in, in the racing sense. So I, I think... There's going to be a team uh, who is going to take that uh, that on and, and, and look for it properly and get some good. Not just it's not just about financial support, but the uh, the support of I guess the series and and all the stakeholders in the series to make it happen as well. Because if if they do want to make it happen, it can happen. And uh, you know we've seen some overseas drivers. You know this year we've got um, you know Alex from uh, from France and. Um, also, Maro Ingle from Germany, uh, you know, they're there, but they're, I don't think they're necessarily providing that extra bit of spice that we all want, you know, and, and I, I like the idea of, you know, if we're talking about some great female races in there, and also the idea of, you know, some Indigenous, um, uh, you know, drivers, because everyone has such a great story to tell, and it's about telling that great story and then ultimately wanting them to have success, because if, if, if they want to be in there, they want the success, and if they have people around them who want to enjoy that success as well. I think that's what all makes the great story and also, you know, get them the attention. I think it's it's a case of getting some people in, doing it properly and, um, you know, it's going to be a gamble, but everything's a gamble in V8 supercars or any high form of motor racing. It's the teams that are prepared to, to put, you know, um, put it on the line and, and give somebody a go and then, you know, when it comes through it, you know, it's probably even more rewarding. Mm. We need to take a break, but afterwards we're going to certainly speak about Austin and uh, also about the endurance drivers. I hope you stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the Vet Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is Sam Reed and Ben Beasley. And uh, guys, we talked a, a lot about uh, David Malone's resignation in that first segment, and also about how well how we could potentially fix the series for them. Obviously, the new CEO is going to have a, a lot 
of uh, pieces and a lot of loose ends to tie up as soon as he gets in. But one thing is the international races. We have seen, well, I'd have to say a decline of international races with Abu Dhabi and Bahrain falling off the map. But later in May, we'll be going to America. And I know, Sam, you're all for it. You actually getting to uh, make the trip over there? I don't think I'm going to make the cut, unfortunately. Very devastated. I think it's going to be quite a spectacle to see those Americans get behind that series we're so proud of. Mm. Certainly, the Circuit of the Americas, when they've had big events, Ben, they've been able to draw a crowd. The first Grand Prix, the MotoGP last weekend. It's a good sign that people are willing to come to the track and they're being rewarded with solid racing at those events. Yeah, I was... I wasn't surprised to see a big crowd at the Grand Prix last year, but I was really pleased to see a big crowd at the MotoGP because bikes uh, are a little bit different in the States. They've sort of been a bit of a hard sell. You know, they've been racing at Indianapolis, always been popular at Laguna Seca, but they went to Austin on the weekend and they had a great crowd, you know, fantastic. You know, I was really pleased to see that. So I thought that was a very good sign that, you know, they will embrace some V8 supercar racing over there. Um, I've been dealing with some people in Austin who know that we're coming and uh, they're certainly interested in wanting to know what it's all about, which is great. Um, and it's it's probably, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fantastic new circuit, but it's probably the right place to go. You know, if you say to somebody that you're going to race in America, but it was, you know, maybe Montana or South Dakota, they probably would have gone, oh, yeah, but you say, hey, now we're going to Texas. That's, that is quintessential U.S., you know. You're either going to have to be there, California or New York City, and you are in, you know, you know everything's bigger in Texas and, and V8 supercars there is a good fit. Austin's a great place. It's, you know, not just the capital, but it's got a, it's a pretty go-ahead city. It's the home of the University of Texas, which is, you know, one of the, the leading collegiate, you know, universities not just in an academic sense, but obviously a sporting sense. The Longhorns are a big deal in that town. And it's the home of, you know, uh, great music traditions. I mean, uh, one of the things I'm going to do is going to have a photo with the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue, you know, <laughs> the great Texas guitarist, you know, just stuff like that that I think is really cool. And, um, you know, I was really probably more positive about the whole deal, seeing that there was a lot of people at the Bike Grand Prix, because I think the V8s will be popular. Like everything, you know, the, the first year we can be a little bit um, uh, drawn into it, but we've got to maintain that, you know, but that's going forward. I think the only real challenge is that from a, a motor racing sense, they're used to having the big race on the Sunday afternoon. We're having four races, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, you know, we might have a, a little bit of a hard sell on Saturday, but I don't think Sunday, I think people will still have that attitude of, all right, so you race, whatever you were doing on Saturday doesn't matter. We want to go to the race on Sunday, and I think... You know, come Sunday afternoon and they see the cars and uh, the, t- the TV commercial they've been running has uh, certainly had plenty of accidents and action and fire and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we might not be del- able to deliver all those four things over across the weekend, but I-, I think, you know, the sound and the especially the identified brands of, you know, Ford and General Motors and the fact that, you know, the Commodores are going to run as Chevy SSs over there, that sort of thing. You know, you've got to identify with your local market, and I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be a good thing. Um, is it going to be the start of more international races? I don't think so, not at this stage. I think, like you said, the Middle East thing has pulled right back. New Zealand has started to re-establish itself. You know, heading back to Pukekohe was absolutely the right move. Um, you know, that's where New Zealand motorsport was, and, and going back to a circuit like that where people see, you can see so much of the track was really fantastic. So... 
I think uh, we're going to have to get over to the States and, and uh, really take it in, but also, you know, make sure the Americans get what they've been promised. Mm. Now, Sam, when the Nissan Motorsport team rolls out to America, they're not rolling out a product that people aren't familiar with. From memory, I think Chris Jordan plugged this into my brain that the Nissan Altima is like the number one sedan car sold in America. Yeah, absolutely. This this move from Nissan Motorsports' perspective is huge. It couldn't have timed better, really. You know, launch of the Altima. We haven't had the luxury of seeing that in Australia yet. I suppose the Australians were still trying to get their head around this new car that they're yet to actually see on the streets. But over in America, this car has already had huge success. So to tie that in with Jack Daniels uh, all at the same, you know, at a circuit like, to, uh, as we're saying, Circuit America's in Texas, where else would you go really? Uh, it's just going to be a really big spectacle, I think and certainly something that everyone down at Nissan Motorsports is hugely excited about and I think all of the fans here in Australia uh, are also really excited. I think it's uh, potentially uh, created quite a, quite a bit of a, a, you know, a travel mob over there that have teamed up in Australia and said, hey, let's, let's actually tackle this international race because this could be something quite special. Mm. Of course, uh, for uh, the, the, well, for all the teams going over to a new track and, uh, and having the new facility there, they, they've all enjoyed those new Formula One facilities when they've gone to Shanghai, Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. But with, uh, with the, uh, the American flavour, we speak the same language, even though they have an accent, and we also have the opportunity now of saying, well, we race more than just once on a weekend. Sam, do you think with the way they're packaging up 400k races, compulsory tyre stops, no fuel, is going to be something that the Americans will get a grasp of quickly? Quickly? Probably not. Uh, as I say, their format is very different, but I actually like that we're going in and we're doing it the way we race cars. and. We're showing that, you know, for us, often the spectacle races happen on the Saturday. It's, there's action-packed every one of those days, and that means that there's more people at events, there's more atmosphere for a larger period of time, which I think is a big part of creating a, the positive culture that V8 Supercars has. So, you know, in the first year, no doubt we'll see lower numbers than they probably would have liked on, on those early days, but come the Sunday, I'm sure we will, they will bolster up and... You know, with any luck, they'll have a look at our format and start to say, hey, you know, I can actually come out on the Saturday and, and be a part of this, not just for one day, but experience it for the two days. I personally was rapt to hear that they were doing tyre changes just because, you know, even just from the crew's perspective, otherwise there's not a lot going on for those guys. Uh, you know, touch wood, they're obviously hoping there's no crash damage or anything, but once they've sent the car out, you know, they sit down and wait, and I don't think that's a particularly enjoyable uh, side of it for the teams and certainly the spectators. It always adds a bit of a thrill making sure those pit stops go smoothly, and a big part of uh, Supercar's statement was it's all about showing off how quickly these guys can actually change tyres. And, you know, our guys do work hard, and we do it a little bit different to the Yanks, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, that in action. And, you know, as we say, we've got world-class facilities over there, so they're certainly not are going to experience anything different from that perspective. Not refuelling, look, it just means that fuel consumption is not a big issue at the moment. That probably is going to work in the favour of our, our two newcomers with Nissan Motorsport and Arebus Motorsport, both who haven't seemed to have had the greatest of fuel efficiency uh, in the early parts of this year, but certainly expecting some big improvements. And we've still got a number of rounds until we until we actually get over, well, a number of rounds. We've certainly got Perth, nonetheless, before we get over 
uh, to Texas in a couple of weeks' time. Hmm. Well, I guess uh, Ben says he doesn't see a lot more international races. What about yourself, Sam? Yeah, it's been interesting. If you asked me this question two years ago, I, said, I thought we were going to see a huge expansion. Uh, but in recent times, I'm not sure. Look, I, I probably would say that the whole GFC that is still lurking over everyone and it's hurting a lot of other countries. So there's not probably the money in those places and uh, that means it's harder for you know to get the teams over there. It's always been a bit of a battle uh, in terms of covering the cost of the logistics, you know, it's a big, it's a massive effort for the teams to get over there and if there's not a huge financial gain and there's not a huge number of people over there to actually watch the sport, it does, and it certainly has in the past, beg the question of why are we doing it and why are we putting our teams and these guys who are already working epically hard uh, through, you know, the challenges of getting the cars over there. So I think this one's a good one. If it works, perhaps there's room for another one over that side of the car, uh, that side of the world, I should say, but certainly in, in the closer, nearer to home, and I suppose over in the UK, there's been a few people talk about, you know, maybe we need to go and shake up the BDCC series over there. I'm not sure that that's a good move or nor likely to, to happen, I suppose. Mm. Well, look, we need to take a break, but there's a couple other things I, I want to squeeze in. So we'll take a break now and be back with more of the V8 Insiders right after this. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. It's white flag lap time for Fujitsu, Australia's leading air, and Sam Reed and Ben Beasley still with me. Uh, guys, uh, interesting you'd mention about going to England there, Sam, because, uh, Ben, to me, the best fit, and I guess this is my Midwest bias showing, to me the best fit would have been Mid-Ohio. Mid-Ohio draws a good solid 30,000, 40,000 people every time they put cars on the track doesn't matter whether it's Indy cars, IMSA, well, they don't call it IMSA anymore, but uh, sports cars or uh, even clubs, even club events out there get around 10,000, 15,000. So I am surprised that they go to Texas over a place where, one, you've got a crowd that's heading their way to Indy, and two, you've got a very, very well-established road racing culture. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was all about creating a motorsports culture in Austin, which hasn't had one. So they saw it. They um, saw the opportunity that um, building a, a world-class um, racing facility. And if you look back in the history of what Formula One had done in the US, even going to Indianapolis was trying to create something in a, in a, in a place that you know already had its legendary car race there. And the other races really in America, you know, the street races in Long Beach, Dallas, Detroit... Um, even Phoenix, I remember, you know, they uh, also, you know, uh, it didn't quite, never work. So they, they, they took, the, they, they spent a lot of money building this racetrack and they wanted some sort of thing that's, uh, I guess, that hybrid of, you know, the European racing sort of scene, 
but still has some, you know, appeal to the American audience. And I think that's why V8 supercars, you know, is the obvious fit there. The other thing is, you know, we talk about the brands, but, you know, NASCAR is very popular in America because they identify with the cars and the brands. You know, some of these other classes really don't. So although, you know, the word Holden doesn't mean anything, they changed that to Chevrolet and SS, they talked about the Nissans and the Mercedes, they are all brands except, and even to say the name Falcon over there, you know, draws up a lot of um, history in the Ford name. So to go to, say, like you say, a mid-Ohio, first of all, you probably wouldn't have had to promote it prepared to, uh, to ship all the cars out from Australia anyway. But it also wouldn't have hit the touch points which V8 supercars were looking for, and then also you wouldn't have had the support of the city and you know the wider Texan community, which is what they're going to get in Austin. Mm, all right. Now, Sam, one thing I've noticed since Tony Cochran's left uh, V8 supercars is whilst we're talking about taking the V8 supercars overseas, we've definitely seen a lot more drivers racing overseas as well as V8 supercars, and and particularly in the New Zealand Super Touring Series, but uh, it seems like we're going to see more and more drivers testing their wings and, and getting runs outside of the country, which uh, was something that TC was never particularly happy about. Yeah, you know, my perspective on all of this is as a driver, you, you want to get as many miles as you can, and the more variety you can get, it's always something to add to the memory bank and, and boost that experience. So it's something I've always been... I've always thought interesting that it was sort of, I suppose not seen in the most positive light by the previous uh, TC, but nonetheless, I'm not actually sure that there's a direct correlation to that all of a sudden piping up, or if it's just that we're starting to realise that these opportunities do exist out there, and you know, drivers are, we've got a lot of drivers that have been in V8 supercars in Australia and perhaps now finding themselves out of a drive, so not wanting to fall too far out of it, looking for the next best thing, and moving over to the New Zealand series, which is certainly growing uh, you know, event by event it's, it's stronger every time we we see it so you know i think i personally would love the opportunity to be able to race in as many categories and as many tracks and as, with as many teams all across the world i think that's what every driver really strives to do so for me i would i would hate to ever think that we're going to limit that too much uh, i think it's it's good cross promotion i'm sure that supercars is probably a little bit concerned that that potentially means the formula is being spread elsewhere and, and losing you know, their little cells that they, they think are unique to V8 supercars. But I think it's an opportunity for everyone to, to have a bit of a think about how we market V8 supercars, how we market the drivers individually and the sponsors, and it's an opportunity to actually network everything a bit better and leverage, uh, you know, sponsorship deals and media exposure and all that sort of stuff and take it to a whole new level that we haven't yet seen. But something that I think the world is very much asking for, you know, the way people are marketing themselves, the way companies are, what sort of exposure they're looking for is happening in all sorts of different formats. So I think that this is sort of just one tiny piece of a really big puzzle that's all about the way that the world is changing. Places are a lot closer than they ever used to be, some would say. Mm. Ben, what about you? Are you as cynical as I am? Um, no, not really. I think that was an issue of timing. I think last year, especially Tony, not really wanting guys to go and do the New Zealand series because it was brand new. Um, probably also saw it as as you know something that could have a, a bad effect on the V8 supercar race itself when it goes to New Zealand. But that ultimately proved not the case. You know, especially what we saw in Pukekohe. See it as you know a series that um, is uh, not conflicting with V8 supercars at all. 
as Sam says, it creates the opportunity for guys to, you know, have sponsors on both sides of the ditch. And then you have a look at things like I think people talk about, you know, Jason Bright going to do Le Mans. He has been working on that deal for a lot longer than 12 months. He's been trying to find the right angles. He was a guy smart enough that uh, when these uh, European drivers came over here to do the Gold Coast race, you know, he picked their brains. He wanted to know who he needed to contact and how to get into the right car and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, does it start the floodgates for sure? I think, uh, you know, Lowndes has gone and done some VLN stuff uh, in the Nürburgring and that sort of stuff. I think the only disappointing thing in all of that is what people keep saying is, where was Jamie Wincup's opportunity? Now, uh, one thing that has to be said is that when you're winning a lot of races here, it becomes a whole lot busier. Your time is at a premium. And the season here as well, the other factor is the season here is very, very long. The amount of race meetings necessarily is also quite a lot in terms of a, a domestic series outside of, say, NASCAR or maybe even IndyCar. But even if you have a look at the amount of IndyCar rounds that happen, it's not as many as V8 supercars. But we have a season that goes from February now to the second weekend in December. It's very difficult to say you have this six-month window in the Southern Hemisphere where your racing is and then this allows outside of that time to go and do some stuff in, in, in the Northern Hemisphere. But the, the timing just doesn't allow it. And this year as well, uh, Bridie has to go and do... He's done a test day at, uh, at Paul Ricard in France, and he has to go and do a rookie day at Le Mans. This year, the rookie day doesn't fall on a V8 supercar weekend. I think he is literally going from that rookie test then to Texas. That's how it's going to have to work. And then it's a week, um, I think, around either so one before or after Darwin, you know, that he goes to do Le Mans himself. So that's, I think, the, the essence of where the real struggles have been for people to find time to go and race overseas. Hey, there's a lot of races in, in Asia you could go and be doing, but they're not Le Mans. They're not, you know, some of these prestigious, you know, races that everybody wants to do. But to do them, to do them, and these guys are professionals, they just don't want to turn up and race and maybe be the fourth wheel of a, you know, of a, of a car that might get through the first few hours of the race. They all want to do it properly. And uh, I'm sure a lot of guys have had plenty of offers before, but if they're not the, the right offers, they don't go and do it. Mm. Well, guys, always a pleasure to catch up with you both. We're all looking forward to Perth when the V8s are back on the track. And after the start we've had to the season, who knows what can happen over there as it's going to be an exciting time on a, on a track with a format that seems to marry up quite well, Ben. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, they're going to do this sort of half-time race again on Saturday, like they did in Tassie. The, the one thing I'd say about that race, I, I wish the half-time was five minutes. I think it's like 15, 20 minutes. It's not quite doing the job, I think, that half-time race on the Saturday. Uh, I'd, I'd like it to see, yeah, you know, sprint their guts out, come in, and literally, you know, hey, guys, you know, get out of the car, wipe yourself down, jump back in, let's go again. You know, I think the little break in the middle is... Um, probably sanitising it a little bit too much, but as Perth is concerned, it's a good track. Um, high, you know, the, the tyre wear is always a big issue. It's always produced some great racing over the years, and uh, you know, and plenty of um, spectacular stuff. If you ask Carl Ryan from a couple of years ago as well, with cars catching on fire, but not that you want to see that uh, all the time. But you know, it's a great little ball ring, and you know, the racing. And I can't tell you right now. I can't tell you who I think is going to win. You know, mm. that's I think the big change this year. You can't say, hey, what? How? How's anybody going to stop Triple Eight? Because it's not going to be about Triple Eight. It's BJR at the moment. Mm. And Sam, I really want to see someone tell the crew chiefs that they have to go out there with some, you know, little little packet of uh, orange 
you know, of orange quarters to give to the drivers <laughs> because that was definitely lacking in the Tasmanian halftime break. Absolutely. And, hey, maybe we need to have some form of uh, young tucker race in that, in that 15-minute break. If they want to keep it that long, maybe we need to put something else on the circuit. Some cadets a... out there in carts. Yeah. Now, well, I, I always thought if it's real halftime, they needed to swap the cars around and go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Sam, pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks again for having me on. And Ben Beasley, always, always great to catch up with you too. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.